Hey, and welcome back to the Where Do We Begin podcast. I'm Jackson. And I'm Harper. This one is going to be absolutely huge, ladies and gentlemen. Who have we got, Jackson? We've got Hayden Ballantyne, the Frio superstar. He was a massive superstar, just like the guy we had on last week, Courtney Dempsey. How good was that interview? Oh, it was an amazing interview. A great way to kick off the podcast um, with the interview side of it. I'm very happy we have him as a first guest. Yeah, and just our gratitude towards anyone that comes on our podcast, really. We're just a couple of nobodies in the footy world and massive stars, Courtney Dempsey, Hayden Ballantyne. We've got more lined up. It's just an honour, really, to talk to them. Yeah, big thank you to those guys. Um, How do you think we'll go today, Harper? Oh, well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Hayden Ballantyne is definitely an interesting character, was a superstar in his heyday, uh, played 130-something games for the Dockers, All-Australian, big name. All-Australian, played in a grand final. He's done everything in footy except maybe maybe win a premiership. Yeah, and he was one of the best players in the – well, he was the best player in the Waffle when he was there in his early days, won the Sandover, the best and fairest, when he was 20 or something. Ah, Huge. That's, that's a very big achievement in terms of WA footy. Um, what were your big memories of Hayden Ballantyne? Well, I just – he was always a player that could just rip a game open with just one kick or one little dance around your defenders and he'll just kick a snap from the boundary, blow the game open, might only have five touches in the game, but he'll kick three goals and he'll just blow it out of the water. Yeah, he was just sort of that player that you just always kept your eye on as an opposition fan, just, oh, don't get the ball to him, don't get the ball to him, and then he'd get it with three touches and score three goals. So too deadly, that bloke. Yeah, and not just in attack, but in defence, just, he could chase down your halfbacks, chase down your centre halfback, your fullback, anyone. It was just you always had to be aware of him as a player and as a fan. Just got to be on your toes, you know. Yeah. So super excited to get into it. Let's do it. Let's rip into it. Okay. Now on the phone, all the way from Ballantyne Manor out in WA, we've got. The man himself, Hayden Ballantyne. How are you, mate? Good boys, yourself? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain. On this show, we just go through your early life, your career, pretty much just from start to where you're at now. So, um, born in 87 in WA, how was your early family life? Um, yeah, I grew up on a farm in Beldivis, which is about 40 minutes south of Perth. Uh, my dad and mum were horse day trained horses. So, um, so yeah, that was the early, early hours for them. They were up at four or five in the morning riding horses. And I was uh, looked after by my grandparents in the morning. Um, yeah, grew up on a farm, which is, I think, every kid's dream. My kids, I, I live on a farm now with my kids and they love it. They've got some horses and... I think it's one of the best upbringings you could have. So I was pretty lucky in that sense to be brought up on a farm um, around lots of animals. And my pop was a bit of a um, of a market garden. He used to grow all types of vegetables and stuff like that. So yeah, grew up in a in a yeah pretty pretty cool environment. I think. Ah, uh, that sounds really cool. Um, how did you get involved in footy? Um, naturally, not like most kids, uh, I just started out at school. I was kicking the footy around with some big kid mates at school and then played for the local footy club, the Beldivis Brumbies. Um, and I reckon when I got to about 10 or 12 years old, um, my pop, he used to have the most of the games. He, he noticed I was actually pretty good. So I went to, um, went to the 
Waffle Club Peel Thunder, tried out there for their academies and all that kind of stuff and um, got into their Colts development side and eventually league and played a couple of years of league and then got drafted by Freo in 2008. So it was a, yeah, it was a long, long process, but I enjoyed every, every ride, every bit along the ride. So just going back to your childhood days, obviously um, WA, two-team state, Massive rivalry, everyone knows that. Um, who did you go for? I used to go for uh, Eagles. So when I was growing up, most of my family, family, friends, they all went for the Eagles. Um, but yeah, once I got drafted, that changed pretty quick. But um, more, more, I'll, I'll go for WA sides. I'm a WA boy. I went for WA sides and would still prefer them to win over the, over the Vicks, I suppose. So how influential was your appeal career for you? Oh, it was Matt, that was a stepping stone into, into the AFL, really. You know, you start out of your local club, progress on to Waffle, Waffle State Leagues or um, Waffle VFL, SANFL, whatever you, wherever state you're in. And then um, if you're good enough and you catch someone's eye, then you get the chance to go into the draft. And, um, yeah, Peel Thunder was huge for me. I had two years of Colts and three years of senior footy, plus the development before that. So Peel Thunder was um, a massive boost for me to get from playing local footy at Belt Ivers up into the big league in AFL. So I can't thank them enough and how much they've given me along the way. So in Victoria, the VFL really isn't taken as seriously as I guess the waffle is in WA. Is it big out there? Like, is it is it a big thing for you to go for your local Perth team and then also one of the WA AFL sides? Um, it everyone has everyone has their waffle side that's second to their AFL side. It's, so they, if if they have the opportunity to get down all game, they would go down. But I think AFL, being such a dominant beast it is in the in the industry and in the sporting arena around Australia, everyone prefer to go to an AFL game if they could. So it has taken um, taken a backseat, I suppose, to the AFL. But everyone still has a has a has a waffle team that they follow, whether it be Peel, East Perth. South Perth, uh, sorry, South Fremantle, those type of teams. Everyone has one of those, and um, they get behind them and support them where they can. The the crowds kind of have dwindled, dwindled a bit. You get, you might get three or four thousand to a uh, to a good game where there might be a few AFL players running around or something like that. But um, yeah, there is there is support, just uh, not so much at the grounds, which is a little bit disappointing. So obviously, you did say your early Peel career was massively influential in your. Um later AFL career and in the in 08 you moved into the forward line and you kicked 75 goals and got the Sandover medal which is the best and fairest in the waffle what was that year like 76 goals mate oh 76 (laughs) we'll get that straight (laughs) that uh, that was um yeah like I said I was I was always pretty good at footy and playing through the midfield through Colts and uh, my first couple of years of league um Pretty much, I was told I was too short to play midfield as, on an AFL list. So, my coach at the time was Chris Waterman, who was a who's a West Coast Eagles um, veteran, or superstar back in the day. Won a couple of premierships with him. He uh, gave me the idea to go play small forward, and so I did that. And yeah, had a pretty good year, kicked seventy six goals, and won the Sandover. So it was a uh, and you know we we were we were a team that were around the mark. We nearly played finals, only won eight games for that year, but um, we, we were you know, three or four really close games where if we had won that, we could have played finals. So it was a um, 
yeah, it would have been great to get into the finals and have a, have a taste of finals before getting to AFL. But um, yeah, it wasn't to be. But yeah, it was that that move alone. I think really did um, set me up to be picked up, and I yeah, probably have Chris Wardham to thank for that because he was the one that said get into the forward line and um, work on your craft as a small forward. So I did that. Yeah, obviously, 76 goals, just an insane figure, especially for a small forward. You came second in the leading goal kicking in the league, and you would have won it every year after 2010 with that figure. Uh, now you've got the outer wing at Rushton Park, Peel's ground. Uh, it's called the Hayden Ballantyne wing. Was that good source of pride for you? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't. I had no idea it was going up until I rock up to a game. I got invited to round one of, or sorry, round two, the first game at Peel Thunder of the year in 2009, I think it was. And um, yeah, there's a dirty big sign over the other side that said my name. When I was seen, I, it took me a few seconds to register. Like, did that, did I say my name? I was just, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, but yeah, something that I'll look back on. I'll take my kids down to a game at Peel one day and they'll see it and they'll think, oh, that's my dad's name. So that is, um, yeah, that is pretty cool. So how is the draft process for you? Obviously a late recruit. Did you apply when you were 18 or did you purpose, purposefully wait? No, no, I, I was, um, I had my hand up ever since I could when I was, um, I played State 18 in 2005 and um, uh, put my hand up for the draft then and um, yeah, didn't get selected for three years. So every year there was that bit of disappointment that um, wanted to get to the, I wanted to get to the AFL level as, as most kids that play footy do, they want to play, you know, play on the MCG, play at Subi Oval, Optus Oval now, and um, yeah, really disappointed for those three years. But um, the old man said, "Don't suck about it. Get out there and work hard, and you'll get there one day." So I did that, and made, I think it made getting draft in 2008 all the more sweeter for me. Like I, I was still, a bit, even though I had a really good year, and I was told by four or five clubs they were going to draft me, I was still a bit nervous that. I wasn't going to get picked up, and then when my name was finally read out by Freo, um, yeah, it was just a massive relief and, um, yeah, pretty proud moment for myself and the family. Yeah, who were the other clubs interested in, in you? Uh, there was a few. There was, well, West Coast said they were going to take me at pick uh, 20, and I went pick 21, so it was pick 20. Hawks at pick 17, Port at pick 24, um, Brisbane, they were a bit later on, and, yeah, it was there's probably five or six that said they were, and um, yeah, three are the ones that um, called my name out. So, yeah, massively indebted to them. Yeah, obviously, pick 21 is a really high pick for a guy who didn't get the nod for a few years in a row and got as a mature age recruit, obviously. Um, what was it like rocking up to Frio uh, your first day and you're one of the older recruits, older draftees, and you've got you see people around the club like Pavlich and legends like that. What's it like? Yeah, it was pretty daunting. Even though being a twenty-one-year-old, um, I went in there. I'm a pretty confident type of guy. I walked strutted in and um, asked for number number one locker. They said no. I had to take seventeen <laughs> the first year. So um, yeah, I was just I was just myself. I think maybe some of the other guys, the eighteen-year-olds, got picked up. They kind of looked up to myself and Greg Borton. He was another guy my age who got picked up as a mature age recruit. They looked at us for a bit of guidance for those first couple of months, I suppose. But once we all, there was 14 guys drafted, the Yells drafted to just the Fremantle. We had a massive influx of young players and we really bonded together and, and really started a strong culture amongst ourselves within the team. 
and every like before each game, we just get together and have a chat about look each other in the eye and say what we're committed to do for that game, and it really built a strong, strong um, bond and a strong culture between ourselves. And then that gradually went on and um, got us to play a lot of finals together and win a lot of games of footy. So um, having Pav and Aaron Sandlands, Luke McFarlane, guys like that around the club to really lead us and show us what it takes to be professional footy players was huge for us. So we we all had the skills and the talents, but the dedication that they taught us as well was um, the next level to get us to where we needed to be. Hey guys, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Twitter and Instagram is at WDWBpod. That's WDWBpod. On Facebook, look us up, where do we begin with a question mark? And get in touch with us through our email, where do we begin pod at gmail.com. And leave us a five-star review. So fast forward 13 weeks, round 13 against the Pies. How is that to debut on the MCG? Uh, yeah, it was one of the best things ever, especially to play against a team like Collingwood, who they were a powerhouse at the time. Um, we didn't get the win, which was disappointing, but just to get out there in the, that atmosphere, I played on um, Harry O'Brien or whatever he, whatever he ended up calling him, Tear, whatever he called himself. Um, he was my first opponent. He was all Australian. So he showed me the ropes of what it takes to be a, um, to be a good footy player. But yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling and, uh, I didn't kick a goal, I didn't kick a goal to my second game, but um, yeah, it was unreal. It's, it's hard to explain the feeling, especially when it's against a team like Collingwood, who they're passionate supporters. They are, they they have got a lot of passion and a lot of fire in them, so trying to stir them up, it's not too hard to do. This might be a bit of Vic bias here, but obviously you've got kids in Victoria, they dream of debuting on the MCG. Is it the same for kids in WA, or would they rather debut on at Subi or Optus Stadium? <clears throat> Um, for either or, but I think the the G as um you know being a WA guy, the MCG it is the home of football, so the grand finals played, so all the big matches are played, so there or or a home game would have been would have been a treat. So I was pretty lucky to to, to debut on um on MCG. Zach Clark, he was a another guy drafted just just after me. He um we de- debuted together, so it was um. Yeah, it was uh, pretty special for both of us. And then the next week uh, was your first home game, a loss against Carlton, but you kicked your first goal and three goals. What was that like, kicking your first few? Yeah, that was, that was, um, that was a massive buzz. I, um, I think I became pretty known for celebrating a goal, but the first one I celebrated, the next two, I was absolutely knackered. After about half time, <laughs> I really hit a brick wall and I, just, God, I couldn't celebrate anymore, but um, I don't think we won. We didn't win that game, but that was uh, yeah a bit of a buzz to to get a kick and see a goal as well. And I actually chased down Chris Judd, who was one of my idols growing up, to um, chase him down. It was pretty cool. I actually got to help him get back up because um, I felt bad for getting him. But yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. And speaking of Chris Judd, uh, former West Coast player, a few weeks later, you had your first win against the local rivals, the Eagles. Round seventeen by five points, and you finished the game with the ball in your hands. What was that like? Yeah, that getting a win, and that and that we had. I think there was six, six or seven guys that played that day who got drafted that year, and to win together. And some of the some of the Greg Broughton, someone that jumps to mind, some of the acts he did during that game to to save a goal or tackle a bloke. It was um, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable feeling and. 
it made you want want to win more. Just getting that feeling and that emotion of um, your adrenaline that pumps once that siren goes and you've, you're in front. Um, yeah, it really drives you to want to do it more and more. So speaking about rivalries, you had a bit of a personal rivalry with the Geelong Cats. We have a bit of foot, um, footage from the goal of the year in 2011 against the Cats. Maurice Palmer needs to go here, does, and they're away. Ballantyne, bounce to the midfield. Pavlich, half forward. Taylor, big fist, back to Ballantyne, back to Pavlich. Can he kick this one? Handles it back to Ballantyne, kicks a goal. Oh, they're darling, Ballantyne! So how special was that? Yeah, it was, it was when I... I didn't realise it was actually a pretty good goal, but I didn't realise at the time. But then I watched the replay a couple of times. I thought that was actually, yeah, it was pretty good. But um, yeah, when you're out there and the blood's pumping, you don't, you're just going and going and trying to do your bit. But then, um, then when you rewatch it, it does. It, it was pretty, it was pretty special. I think the TV was a bit more special on a massive TV, so that was that was a bit of a bonus. And obviously, we spoke about the massive rivalry with the Cats. We'll go into a bit about your personal feud with some of their players a bit later, but um, what was the competitive rivalry like? Was it How big was it? Well, it, my, that 2009, my first year, um, we were playing Geelong in Geelong, and um, uh, Matty Scarlett came, um, came forward to spoil Matty Pavlich, and he didn't really go for the ball, he more just went for Pav and stuck his knee right into his back. And really, really hurt Pav. Like he was down for a while, and Pav normally gets back pretty quick. And I didn't, I didn't go over there and like remonstrate at all. And I was real dirty on myself afterwards for not doing that, not going and sticking up for my captain. So then I thought, after that, I thought if they're the best team going around, they won the flag that year. If they're the best team going around, then clearly that's what it takes. You got to be pretty nasty in that game. So, um, so I made it a point of mine to be the one that they need to remonstrate with after that, not just them, but any team in the in the AFL. So I got stuck in everyone, like like Matty Scarlett got stuck in the pub that day. And um, clearly, if they're the best team, uh, I, want, I wanted to be like them. So I did what I could to win games, and I'll, I'm not about to apologise for what I was doing either. And in that uh, Matthew Scarlett game, uh, there's been some rumours going around that you repeatedly uh, mocked him for having effing bogan hair. Is that true? Uh, probably. I, was, I said a fair bit <laughs> to Matty Scarlett that night, and that's why he reacted like he did. But no, nah, it's all um, once once when you get on the ground, anything goes. That's that's. And Stevie Johnson, I had a, I had a beer with him at the end of last season after the footy show, and he he said the same thing. He goes, "Mate, I'd do anything to win," and um, and I was exactly the same. They're uh, they're a competitive bunch of guys, and I'm pretty competitive myself. So once you get on the field, anything you say or do, I think um, I think can just wash away if you need it to. And then fast-forwarding a few years in that Geelong rivalry, uh, Matty Scarlett got you back in round one, 2012, uh, gave you a good punch right in the, uh, the head. Yeah, he clipped me on, clipped me on my chin. I, threw me, I made sure I threw my head back so I got the free kick. We ended up, we ended up, I think we ended up winning by four or five points that game, so I'm claiming that I won us the game off that. Yeah, and so he ended up getting suspended for three weeks for that punch. But that same game... Uh, you took out Paul Chapman behind the play, and we've got a little audio grab. Fremantle forward Hayden Ballantyne has been handed a two-week suspension for a behind-the-play incident with Geelong's Paul Chapman on Saturday night. And then after that, you said, um, silly things like that shouldn't happen in a game, and I won't be doing that from now on. But then you've had a few suspensions since then. 
like we'll see. Fremantle's Hayden Ballantyne has been charged with rough conduct on Geelong's Harry Taylor. It's been assessed as careless, medium impact to the head, and he can accept a two-match suspension. And All those suspensions earned you a bit of a pest reputation. What was that like dealing with that? Oh, the, the, the pest name didn't really bother me. That's what I've ducks back. But the suspensions did. Like, I'm, I'm no good sitting on the bench watching a game of footy. I'm better on the field helping my teammates. The, the Chapman one... He was uh, he was our target player for that game. Ryan Crowley was tagging him, and because he was one of their real link-up players, he'd run from half back to half forward and kick goals. He was a real dangerous player for them, and he was out on the wing. And Crowley was about fifteen metres behind him, so I thought oh, I better stop him. So I stepped in front and bumped him and cleaned him up pretty good. So that was that, that was how that happened. But the Harry Taylor one that that was actually deemed an accidental bump to the head. So. I, I, how about two weeks for that? I've got no idea. So closing the book on the sort of Geelong rivalry, um, you did beat them two years in a row in finals. Is that sort of the um, seeing you guys go up and the Geelong team of old of that sort of 09, 07, 0, like 11 years, uh, them go down and you go, you guys go up? How did that feel? Um, for us, it, it, was, it was good, obviously, because, we want we wanted to be the best team, and they were they at that time they were one of the best teams. So we wanted to play against those type of teams every week, just to test ourselves and push ourselves to the limit. And eventually, if we test ourselves enough and get the points enough, we'll we'll eventually get to the finals and win one. But uh, we played we played finals 2012 through to 15, and we we won a lot of footy games and we were a very hard team to play against. And I think it was because we really relished playing against those those top-line teams like Geelong. So moving from the more competitive, top-of-the-table kind of physical rivalry with Geelong to the West Coast Derby, uh, how do those two teams and games compare? Uh, very very similar. Obviously, West Coast, they were, they were themselves a real top-line team. And over here, it's obviously a uh, two-team town. So getting, getting to game day for a derby... Um, Everyone says there's, you know, it's just another game, but it's, it's it is a bit more than that. You you really want to get get across the line, just so you, <laughs> you don't have to read the pace of the next day. And they've got they've got this to say, they've got that to say. You really you really did want to win it just to save all the all the bullshit that happens the following week, really. So we we would set ourselves as they would set themselves to to beat us, and it ended up being a really good contest to watch. I, I think. Yeah, and in round 18, 2011, a game you will probably not look back on too well. Uh, you're down by two points against the Eagles. Just a few seconds to go, and we'll throw to BT from here. So obviously that now famous miss on the siren uh, causing defeat against the Eagles must have been pretty disappointing for you. What were your memories of that? Yeah, it was it was sailing through the whole way and then the last second it just dipped to the right and um, and hit the post. So it was, I thought it was going in, sound like the commentators thought it was going in as well, but yeah, just missed. So it was, it was, I thought it was not a bad effort considering 
52 out, and um, after a pretty solid game, that was everything I had I put into it and uh, just couldn't get there. So um, me being a big Collingwood fan, whenever we come up against Carlton, it's do or die, must win. If we win, no matter where we are on the table, it's a win for us. It's getting one over the rivals. Is that what players feel like with, like, as in regards to beating West Coast, even if you guys were on the bottom of the ladder, they were on top, was there always that belief that you could beat these guys and get one over them? Yeah, I think, and I think it was more um, earning a little bit of respect as well, getting getting a little bit of respect back from all the years that they used to pretty much absolutely pound Fremantle. They, that, that, it took a long time before Fremantle won a derby, then we had a really long string where we won seven or eight derbies in a row. So getting that, get, winning a bit of that respect back, not just from uh, West Coast, but from um, the fans and the, the general AFL public, I suppose, was a real stepping stone for us. But um, in saying that, we went, we we did go there to win every game we could. and um, It was a massive rivalry that was beat up by the media, but um, there was a little bit of extra added uh, spice to it coming up against West Coast. So um, you spoke about the pest tag before. In April 2012, the Herald Sun uh, named you as the chief pest in the league. And we won't shy away from it. You were hated by lots and lots of fans throughout the league. Can you remember any particular sledges or funny sledges that stick in your mind from the crowd? Not not really. I'm, to be honest, the crowd, the noise from the crowd is exactly that. It's just noise. Like... We could be at Subiaco and at the, the noise the crowd's making for us. So I just used to turn it around from just being noise that the opposition are making to it could be a fan cheering. So I honestly never never heard much of what the crowd was saying. And and if they if they if I was annoying them or if I was hated by them, obviously there was a reason for it. I must have been doing my job pretty well, which was kick goals and get on the skin of the opposition. So. Um, I suppose it's a bit of a credit to me that I was doing my job quite well at that stage. So you were part of one of the realistically best Fremantle sides of the last 25 years since they've been a, a team. How did it feel to get to get into the club's first ever grand final? Oh, yeah. obviously getting into a grand final for anyone is a, um, is a massive achievement in itself. But um, to be beaten by a team who end up winning three in a row in Hawthorne. Um, it was as disappointing as it was. There wasn't a whole lot of regret there because we, honest, as a team, honestly couldn't have given anything more. We we absolutely busted our ass for that whole game. And to be beaten by 15 points by a team who goes on to win by 50 and 60 points in the next two grand finals, um, it's not really... It's a, it was a pretty good effort, but still still bit, bitterly disappointed Um I haven't got a premiership medal around my neck, but uh, in saying that, there's not a whole lot of regret there because I, we, I and we as a team couldn't have done much more to, to try and get that. And although um, you did obviously try your best in that game, the media did rip into you a bit for a disappointing performance they labelled it. How did you deal with that uh, kind of media beat up around your poor performance? Yeah, I think I... Think I <laughs> I think I put a target on my back the way I used to play and um, and how I used to play um, for the media to I'd be an easy target for them put it that way if um, if I was to have a poor performance so um, in saying that I missed I'd, I think I missed four shots on goal but 
I still was in good positions to have four shots on goal in a grand final. So um, as much as I did miss them, I still put myself in the right positions. I just didn't get it through the big sticks. But I think my um, the way I reacted to it is, sounds like the old man told me, I didn't get drafted. Don't suck about it. Get to work and work your butt off and, and get better. So I did that. And the following year in 14, I was ended up being in the All-Australian team, which is a massive honour. So I, I didn't draw on it too much, I don't think. Yeah, so obviously 2014, All-Australian, leading goal kicker for the Dockers. Was that your best year in purple and white? I think it was my most consistent year for sure. I, um, I've, I'd played a lot of good footy before and after that, but as, as for a full consistent year, minimal injuries, minimal suspension, um, that was, um, yeah, definitely. I, still only, I only played 18 games for the year, but they were definitely 18 quality games um, week after week. So um, you did have that hive that getting into the 2013 grand final, but what do you reckon was the cause of Frio kind of falling away a bit over the next few years? Uh, well, 14 and 15, we finished, I think, second and third, or third and first in the ladder. So we still had some really good footy left in us after that. But uh, I think like most teams, you, you lose some of your top-end players, um, maybe... You're going to try and chase perfection. Just put footies on a perfect game. We just need to get out there and play with great effort and, and do the basics well. And we would have, we would have kept on continuing on in 16 and 17, I think. But um, you have your ups, you have your downs, and we've been in our downs for a while. And I can see that Fremantle will slowly stepping up, and they're going to be a pretty pretty hard team to beat over the next few years when when footy eventually does kick back off. So 2016. Um, reportedly almost leaving the club. How did that all eventuate? Um, I Yeah, my manager, he'd spoken to a few clubs who were interested in a small forward. My name got thrown around. So um, you're only in footy for a certain amount of time. You need to make a life and a living for, for your family to have a comfortable retirement. So I told my manager, you do what you got to do. And um, he did what he had to do. So. It's pretty much as simple as that. It's footy's a business now. There's not a whole lot of um, alliance towards any club or any player. It's just a business, and that's how I think the clubs know it is and um, and the players know it is. It's more the media beat up about it that um, makes it a bigger issue than what it actually is. Uh, now, clearly you didn't play too much in your final few years due to recurring injuries. Really, um, but in 2017, uh, you started doing Pilates, and you don't hear about that kind of thing too much in the AFL. Is it a common thing amongst players? It's it's slowly starting to build. I think players like myself, um, you know, I've got pretty dense muscle fibres, and those muscle fibres tend to work good for you in your early days because you're pretty strong. But then in your later days, um, you, they become too strong for your tendons, and then your tendons start ripping. So I've ripped my hamstring tendon. I say my pec tendon, then my hamstring tendon, and I thought something needs to be done here. So I looked into it, and um, Pilates turned out to be something that um, really worked for me. It just helped my range of movement, um, helped my tendon strength, and after I started, I didn't do any more tendon injuries. So I think it, uh, I think it definitely did work, among other things that I was doing. Uh, skipping ahead to the last round of the 2019 season, Unfortunately, your last game for the Dockers, the, uh, the iconic image that comes to my mind is you on the shoulders of Aaron Sanderlands. How did that feel to retire sort of together? 
Yeah, well, me and him, we built a pretty strong bond for my first day. He, well, I don't know, we just, I think we're pretty pretty similar guys, pretty down to earth, love a beer. So we uh, we bonded pretty quickly and um, built a great friendship um, for the last 11 years. So to be able to go out together was pretty special. And um, we never planned none of that. We were coming in and he said, get on my shoulders. I said, no. He said, get on my shoulders. So I said, okay. <laughs> Big fella asked us twice, you better do it. So, um, yeah, jumped on. And, yeah, it's a pretty cool photo um, of that walking off up the sofa. And the photos of us with our kids walking around is something that uh, we've got framed up with a jersey and it um, sits in pride of place on our wall at home. Your um, form, I guess, really kind of fell away in those last few years. Was that due to injuries or do you have any other regrets about not kicking so many goals at the end? Uh, a little bit of little bit of injury, a little bit of um, team dynamics. I think when you're going through that transition of rebuilding a team, um, something needs to give. And my role as a full-time small forward had to change to being a bit up the ground more and a bit more mentoring and... Um, essentially not kicking as many goals. So um, obviously I would have loved to have continued on kicking, you know, 40, 40, 50 goals every year, but wasn't to be as the ball wasn't down there a whole lot during those last few years. So but when you say regrets, there's there's minimal regrets I have in my career. The only the regrets I have are the times I can count them on one hand is where I didn't try. There was one game where I didn't chase someone out as hard as I could. It was against GWS. And I remember it pretty vividly because I thought, a dog. It felt like a dog to boys, pretty much, and those are the few, very few regrets I can remember. Is uh, the t- times I didn't try my hardest. So, on a lighter note, do you have any funny footy stories that um, you can share with us? You were talking about sledges before. Best one of the best sledges I've ever heard. Um, who's who's? The, oh, that's right. <laughs> we're playing Western Bulldogs, and I was on the bench, and. Um, and Aaron Sandland's come off and he's walking up the boundary and one of the Bulldog supporters yelled out, Lurch, get, sit down, mate, I can't see. You know, Lurch off the Adams family. He was implying that Aaron Lurch and the Adams And I just, I was on the bench and I just absolutely burst out laughing and he wasn't too happy about it, Aaron wasn't. <laughs> well, moving on from the AFL career, uh, what are you doing post-career these days? Uh, I train a few horses. I've got my I've got my trainer's license while I was still playing, and um, train a few racehorses in Perth. Um, buy and sell a fair few cattle. I've got a I um, sell a few cattle as an agent, and um, I trade a few through um, Coles and Woolworths as well. And um, yeah, that's about it. Spend a bit of time with the family, but horses is a pretty big passion of mine and my family. So that's um, something I really want to get stuck into. Is, much as I can train and race Hey guys, make sure you recommend us to all your mates out there because that's how podcasts get found. If you recommend us to all your mates, leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Recommend them. We're on Spotify. We're on all your normal podcasting apps. So give us a shout out. Much appreciated. Now, uh, just one more thing before we move on to our last little segment. Uh, we had a question from our producer um, he's a big music fan and the Dockers have got one of the most disliked kind of songs in the league. What do you think of it? Oh, I actually don't, I don't mind it. Like it's being someone, if you're not brought up with it, I was brought up with the West Coast Anthem and the Frio Anthem and 
when you're brought up with it, it's something just sticks with you. And I actually, I actually quite like it. But I know a lot of people in Victoria don't like it because they probably weren't brought up with it. But each their own. Hopefully, we sing it a bit more and piss him off a bit more. <laughs> well, um, you did. You had a membership vote, uh, a members vote, a few years ago for a new song, and there was one by Eskimo Joe that um, was nominated. Did you hear that? I did, yeah. Eskimo Joe, they were our um, number one ticket holder for a couple of years there. So they um, they offered to do it. I think they actually did make a make make a demo for it or something like that. But um, yeah, they did. Yeah, I'll I'll let the I'll let the cobblers do the cobbling and they can make those decisions. Did you vote in that vote? Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. I don't do many votes, mate. So one last question, Frio, obviously known for two iconic looks in the AFL era. Uh, what do you prefer, the Anchor or the Chevrons that they wear now? Uh, I like the Anchor. I think it, I think it's pretty iconic towards Fremantle is the is the Anchor and the, the Docker and the Wolfy top um, type theme. So I, I like the Anchor. I would have preferred to have stuck with the Anchor, but um, you know, like I said, I don't make decisions. Fair enough. Well, just one more thing before we go. We like to do a little segment, a quiz. Uh, at the end of the show. So we'll test if Jackson's done his research and you have been checking your Wikipedia page enough. So I've got five questions. Uh, It's you up against Jackson. Uh, So just when you want to buzz in, just say your name, Hayden or Jackson, and I'll call on you. And, yeah, five questions. Here we go. Question number one. So that goal of the year you kicked, um, it was you kicked the ball to Matthew Pavlich and who punched the ball who spoiled Matthew Pavlich to get the ball back to you? It was mentioned in that little clip before. Uh, Centre half back at Geelong. Half back. Centre half back. Um, Taylor. Harry Taylor, correct. Hayden, one point. <laughs> get, got to get back into it, Jackson. Oh, okay. There it goes. <laughs> Question two: You never beat Hawthorne in your career. How many times did you play them, Jackson? Oh. Jackson? 14 times. 14, no. I would say eight. Eight? Well, Hayden, you're closer, but I can't give you the point because it's 10. You played them 10 times uh, without a win. Um, you played eight games in your first season. How many goals did you kick? Hayden. Hayden? 10. 10, correct. 10 goals, nine. He's quick off the buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's been checking his stats. So the goal of the year you got, we'll just mention that again. Who was the play-by-play commentator for that goal and which AFL club did they play for? Oh. Um, BT? No, nah, not BT. Oh, who was it? Um, he played, I don't know. <laughs> he, he played for Port Adelaide in the Sandful and he's a, he's a Fox footy guy. I wouldn't have a clue. It's Dwayne Russell. Oh, uh, okay. He played 51 games for the Cats, or 50 games, sorry, 50 games for the Cats. Okay, last question. What's the score? Is it? Uh, I think it's still 1-0. One, oh, 2-0. Two 2-0 nil, two two, nil. Nil to Hayden. Okay. Uh, we'll, get, we'll do – oh, no, we'll only go one point for this one. So, Hayden, you've won it, but we'll just – a bit of a dead rubber question. You were pick 21 in the 2008 draft. Can you name someone – Another player that was in round two of that draft. Yep, uh, Nick Subin. Nick Subin, correct. Fellow Freo player. Some other notable yep. ones, Jackson Trengove, David Zaharakis, Jack Redden, 
Sean McKernan, Dane Beams. So, yeah, got a few. 3 0 Hayden. Decent oh. result for him. Jackson, you've got to up your game. That is a poor start. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, wait for, I'll wait for the prize in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send it straight out to you. Anyway, I think that just about wraps us up. Thanks for coming on, Hayden. No worries, boys. Thanks yeah, for thank you, me. mate. Great to chat. Thank you again to Hayden Ballantyne for coming onto the podcast. Uh, really great to chat with you. Um, hopefully we get you on again sometime soon. Yeah, ripping chat. Definitely in the top two. Uh, we've got a little new segment that we'd like to do at the end. We'll talk about a little theme on the player. So Hayden Ballantyne, obviously a mature age recruit. So Jackson, who are some of your favourite mature age recruits in the um, history of the AFL? I mean, like the first one that popped up to me, I've watched a Collingwood video from like 2013 recently and it's a bit of left field, but um, Sam Dwyer, he came from Port Melbourne. Uh, he played for two years for us and kicked a fair few goals. He was a key player in our team for a few years there, and I was just a massive fan of him when he came into the team. Harper? Yeah, as an Essendon fan, uh, he's not at the club anymore, but Michael Hibbard, I think he came from Frankston or something in the VFL. He was a very handy halfback, but uh, he's gone to Melbourne now, so that's a bit disappointing. Anyone else? Um, James Podziadley. I've... Premiership player killed us in the granny. He was in on 11. the VFL list of Essendon and Collingwood in like 99 and 2000 and yeah. then didn't come back till like 10 years later. Yeah, and became a revelation for the Cats in that sort of Premiership window. I think, when did he come in? 2010 more than likely? 09, 10, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he played in 09 but definitely played in 11 and just when it was either him who came off the field or Hawkins, one of them just killed us. But Podsy Adley, what a, what a revelation. And then Adelaide for the last three years of his career. Now, I think a bit of a cult hero amongst Collingwood fans, Jeremy Howe. Did you know he was mature age? No, I didn't. Yeah, well, when he went into Melbourne, I think he might have been 20, 21. So, oh. yeah, obviously big marking Jeremy Howe. Um, who else is there? Anyone else? Uh, I, one of my favourite players at the moment, definitely, Brody Majacek. Brody Majacek, oh, yeah, yeah. Big check is yeah, on did, the centre-half forward. Did his dad play for Essendon? Or am I I'm not 100%, what, but just... Or something like that? Like like Sam Dwyer before, just came from Port Melbourne off our rookie list. So he came in the rookie draft in 2018, made his debut against Frio, scored five in oh, – it was a, a really good game and then, yeah. <laughs> and then became a – well, he's a pretty big part of our team right now. And I think we're forgetting about one of the best players in the league right now, Tim Kelly. Oh, definitely. That's a, that's a very good shout. Yeah. Very, very good shout. Tim Kelly and I think you've got – um. Cross half back for the Cats as well, Tom Stewart. Yep. Yeah, yep. he's all right. Uh, who else is there? I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, I was reading up on Bal- on Hayden Ballantyne's Wikipedia page and one of the related links was Tendai Mzungu. Tendai o- Mzungu. Obviously one of the best names in the AFL. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure he was mature age. Um, he's a runner for the Giants now, I think. Yeah. He was he, or, last year. Yeah, he um, – Kay, he played for the Giants for that last year. He, he was in the AFL, but he was on the Gold Coast list and then Frio traded for him, I read. So that's how he started out at Frio. And he was just one of those players who played in the waffle and just and uh, couldn't get a gig in the AFL until Frio picked him up. There's a North Melbourne player that we both forgot about. He's a big forward, mature age recruit. Oh, you know Benny Brown. Benny Brown from oh, Tassie came in at the runner. 21, pick 47 in the 2013 draft. And uh, did he win the Coleman in 2018? Was it 20, or was it Rewild who won it? Just like in the last game of the year. 
I don't know, but he went. We have to fact check he, this. So we'll get went, back to you next you week. Close, yeah. We'll update you on the next show. Um, but I think is that all we've got? Yeah, I think that's the best I can come off of with well, my head. Next episode, it's an absolutely huge one. Brett Roseberry, one of the greatest AFL umpires of all time. He's got great stories to tell. Uh, over four hundred games umpired, third most of all time. Started off really young in the AFL. It'll be great. Make sure you tune in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Tune in next week. Should be good. All right, see you guys. See ya.